Next, this month's special series focus on neurology and psychiatry. ReachMD welcomes an array of experts to explore developments in neuroscience and mental health. Researchers from Boston Medical Center have found that education on addiction medicine is not up to scratch during medical training. What's being done to ensure that patients at risk receive optimal medical care? You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Mary Luchas, and joining me today from Boston is Dr. Daniel Alford, who's Associate Professor of Medicine at Boston University School of Medicine and Director of the Chief Resident Immersion Training in Addiction Medicine at the Boston Medical Center. We're discussing physician training in the area of addiction medicine. Welcome, Dr. Alford. Thanks for inviting me. So what is addiction medicine all about? Addiction medicine really deals with the clinical application of treating patients with substance abuse. We've learned a lot more over the years in terms of how addiction affects individuals, the neurobiology and how to screen patients and how to manage them over time. And I think a lot of that research has not been translated into a form where physicians can start to practice it in their everyday practice. How long has addiction medicine been considered a specialty? It's actually been a very slow process, but I would say it's evolved over time where I think there was a time when it wasn't even considered part of a physician's job. Then it became kind of in the psychiatry domain where psychiatrists seem to be the physicians who are primarily responsible for taking care of this particular issue. But I think um, it became recognized that most patients with addiction present to their primary care doctor initially for their high blood pressure or their diabetes care and oftentimes are reluctant to go see a psychiatrist. And there are plenty of psychiatrists who are not particularly interested in treating addiction. They have other interests within the psychiatric field. So I think it evolved over time to become an issue that physicians should become more aware of and better able to diagnose and manage. How did you personally become interested in this field of medicine? I think it was during my internal medicine residency training where quickly occurred to me that a lot of the medical diagnoses that I was managing, both inpatient and outpatient, were directly attributable to patient substance abuse, whether it be alcohol or drug. And so it became apparent to me early on that if I didn't start managing patients' addictions, I was going to have a hard time managing their other comorbid conditions. And when you're an undergraduate and a resident, did you feel that you were taught enough about addiction medicine, or did you feel that you had to learn it on the job? I felt the need to learn it on the job, and I think more and more people that I talked to expressed the same level of frustration, and that is that they didn't get enough training in medical school or in residency training to prepare them to adequately manage addiction while they're seeing patients. Dr. Alford, you've published a study in the Journal of General Internal Medicine about the lack of training in our resident doctors in the area of addiction medicine. Can you talk about what results you found? Sure, and and actually I'll take a little step back in terms of how we developed the training program as it now exists. It was through a grant from the National Institute on Drug Abuse. We submitted a proposal to basically institute a train-the-trainers model of training physician trainers or educators to then spread the word and train their trainees. So we created this program to train generalist chief residents. And chief residents are 
residents who stay on usually for an additional year of training because they were selected by their program, their residency program, because of their high achievement, but also the fact that they are excellent educators. And they stay on for that additional year residency training to train other residents and medical students in a variety of topics. And so we decided to target them because of the fact that they're respected individuals within their residency programs, but also the fact that they're talented educators. We decided to bring them to this training program prior to starting their chief resident year to, one, teach them about kind of evidence-based addiction medicine, state-of-the-art addiction medicine, and also how to become better educators. And then when they go back to their residency program, they're equipped to start to train others. And it's not so much to give a lecture on, you know, alcohol dependence or on AA meetings and things like that, but it has more to do with integrating it into their other teaching. So when they talk to somebody about cirrhosis or someone who comes in with some other complication from alcohol or drug use, that they not only talk about that complication, but they take a moment or two to talk about the disease of alcohol dependence or opioid dependence or what have you and how to manage it and what the kind of evidence is for managing. And you call it the Chief Resident Immersion Training Program. Over what period of time is this program run and how intensive is it for the doctors? Yeah, so it's a four-day training and we do bring them all to one site that's away from their usual jobs, especially in Cape Cod, Massachusetts, where we immerse them in four straight days of this training. And it's amazing how quickly people get very comfortable in that environment in learning and not distracted at all from anything else. And we do a lot of skills practice and role playing. And I think very early on, people start to recognize that it's a safe environment to try new things out, new teaching strategies, but also new skills around screening and counseling patients around their addiction. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Mary Luchas, and joining me today is Dr. Daniel Alford, and we're discussing addiction medicine training in our young doctors. Dr. Alford, when we're talking about addiction medicine and when you're teaching the resident doctors, what are the broad areas of addiction that you focus on? There are multiple broad topics, and it really focuses on the types of patients that residents are going to see. And there's a lot of focus on the patient with addictions who gets admitted to the hospital, whether it be for any medical condition, but say they go through alcohol withdrawal or even comorbidities of alcoholism or comorbidities of opioid or stimulant dependence. And so we really try to pay attention to the adult learning principles of making sure that the material is relevant to the learners, but also relevant to the people that they're going to be training. So some of the content deals with what we call addiction science, which is really the epidemiology, the neurobiology, and genetics of addiction, as well as the pharmacology of the substances that our patients abuse, but then spend a lot of time talking about clinical practice, screening patients and assessing them when we find that they screen positive for unhealthy alcohol or drug use, and then ways to counsel through something that's called motivational interviewing or motivational enhancement therapy, which are really using patient-centered approaches to getting patients to consider changing unhealthy behaviors. These strategies not only work for addiction, but they also work for getting patients to exercise more or to be more adherent with their medication. So 
they're really generalizable skills that go beyond addiction. We've spent a fair amount of time also talking about effective teaching strategies. And I think, you know, along with this content not being readily taught in medical school and residency training, there's also societal stigma around these topics. And at times, you can come up across reluctant learners, people who just aren't interested in this topic, who don't think it's important for them to learn. And so we spent a fair amount of time teaching these chief residents how to teach resistant learners or reluctant learners, and then a fair amount of time talking about how to incorporate it into residency curriculum, because we also appreciate that residency curriculum is jam-packed, and there usually isn't a bunch of open space for new material. So we work with the chief residents to think of creative ways of teaching, but also incorporating this into curriculum. Do you ever have any dialogue with the residents about the amount of time or lack of time they have to spend with patients on the wards to talk about these issues? Yes, that topic comes up quite often. And it turns out if you do it in a systematic way, that is if you screen patients using validated screening tools and you counsel them, using this strategy, you end up spending less time and then your time is really more effective in terms of getting patients to change behavior. And it takes a while to get our chief resident participants to realize that. I think oftentimes when we start doing role plays, they revert back to their old ways of asking these types of questions, and that is about drug use and alcohol use. And they ask a lot of questions that really don't give them valuable information that they can then use to counsel patients. And so by teaching them to do it in a succinct and an effective way, they definitely spend no more time, and oftentimes it's less time than they normally would, and they use a more effective strategy. What's the best singular question you can ask a patient about their alcohol use or potential abuse when they come into hospital? That's a good question, and there was a time when we were really promoting a questionnaire called the CAGE questionnaire, which asked patients about if they ever felt the need to cut down or if they've ever been annoyed with people talking to them about their drinking, or if they've felt guilty or needed an eye-opener or drink early in the morning. And, you know, that's four questions, and it was hard to get doctors to agree to even ask four questions. And so now the question that we ask is a single question, which is do people drink above kind of recommended daily amount, or are they drinking safe limits? Because if people are binge drinking and drinking too much, chances are they're probably also drinking more than they should on a weekly basis, which puts them at risk for medical complications from their alcohol consumption. I think from a drug standpoint, it's a little harder to come up with one question because a lot of drugs that people abuse are prescription drugs, and they're drugs that are prescribed for a specific reason. And even if a medication is prescribed, some patients might misuse them that is, take more than what's prescribed. And it doesn't necessarily mean they have an addiction, but it could mean they have an addiction, that they've lost control of the medication. So I think it's harder to get at drug abuse with one question, and oftentimes takes multiple questions. Have you measured patient outcomes or patient satisfaction after you've implemented this training in the residents? No, we haven't. And I think some of the criticism of the reviewers of our paper was not even that question, but a question of, do we know if the trainees of these chief residents actually change their behavior? And so we were able to show that yes, the chief residents learn and they go back and six months later they're doing more teaching and in their own clinical practice they're doing more screening and counseling. And so yes, we know that they're training 
other folks. But the question is, are those trainees then changing their behavior? And then I guess one step further or beyond that, are the patients actually getting different care and do they notice a difference? And so that takes it to multiple levels. And I think it's a little tricky from our perspective only because we are training chief residents from programs around the country. Over the last seven years of running this program, we've trained over 150 chief residents from 78 programs from 26 different states. So it's a little hard to actually get patient level or even trainee level outcomes, but I think it would be useful if there was funding to do that. Well, thanks so much for joining us today, Dr. Alford. We've been discussing addiction medicine training in doctors. I'm Dr. Mary Lushars, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. To listen to our on-demand library, visit us at reachmd.com. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to this month's special series focused on neurology and psychiatry. For a program guide, complete list of shows, and podcasts, please visit us at ReachMD.com. And download ReachMD's free iPhone app, Medical Radio, to listen to the same live stream of ReachMD medical news and information, plus CME and thousands of searchable podcasts. Get the Medical Radio app today.